1: Falcoholic Live listeners, Falcoholic podcast listeners, everyone, fellow Falcoholics, all of you, welcome to episode 192 of the Falcoholic Live. I'm your host, Kevin Knight at Falcaholic Kevin, joined by my co-host. He is Adnan Iagich at Say Which Way. Adnan, how are we doing tonight?
0: Doing well. Uh, back-to-back nights. Uh, we were there last night for the Q&A with the patrons uh, and back at it for a regular show tonight. The grind continues. Uh, it is the start of June now. We are one another month closer to the season, another month closer to training camp, uh, but still in that very, very dead period. Yep. Yep.
1: Very dead, except apparently for some random uniform reveal news. I know. Uh, Which I appreciate. Ev- yes. I yes definitely exactly. I
0: appreciate the random mm-hmm. news drops uh, in June because, you know, it gives us something to talk about. I mean, we can, we can go for for about an hour and a half to be honest about just this team's (laughs) uniform history oh yeah oh yeah
1: it's it's a you know very we were just talking about before the show as well like a good uniform they've always had good uniforms you know sometimes they they scuffle a little bit here and there but the red helmet is back we're going to talk about that uh soon once we get uh we're gonna have Evan in here too once he finishes writing it up for the site because he's our resident uniform expert. But I do want just your, your sort of instant reaction, uh, Adnan, when uh, if you're here. Yeah, <laughs> lost you briefly.
0: Uh, Sorry. Yeah,
1: no. what do you think about the helmet? You know, now that we've seen it, it looks like a pretty, pretty true rendition of the uh, the throwback Reds.
0: Oh, I love it. I when the team announced that they were revealing new jerseys a couple of years ago, the the first thing I said and the main thing that I kept harping about was no matter what the jerseys are, give us the red helmets permanently. Like I want those red helmets like bat I just think those, what with that old Falcon uh, on, on that, on the side, I think those are the best helmets that, you know, this franchise has ever seen. And I think those are the best helmets in the NFL. If the Falcons go to them permanently uh it's it's uh, i'm so happy this is a great first step i'm dreaming of a day when uh when those helmets will be a permanent feature uh on the falcons uniform combinations moving forward i know the nfl had that rule where you you could only have the one helmet throughout the season they changed that rule a bit now so you know i'm sure a lot of teams will experiment with some of those old throwback helmets but you know those those helmets will look so good on on the the ice white uniforms that that uh, we have. They'll look so good with combined with the black uniforms. They'll look they'll look maybe at their best with those red gradient uniforms as well. So I mean I, I'm I'm here for it, and uh, they're going to be they're gonna be in use for just one game this season, apparently, the game against the Forty Niners, which if if it was me making the decision, I would have done <laughs> it for that game against the Panthers just because the team will probably have a better chance of winning that game. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but yeah, you know, I'll take what I can get and even if it's only one game, hopefully in the future, within the next five years the team moves goes back to those helmets full time because as shitty as this team was in the <laughs> '80s, in the '70s, uh, one thing that was always elite about the Atlanta Falcons was their uniforms. Like those uniforms have always been really nice, and even the '90s. Like I'm not knocking the black uniform, the black uniforms with the black helmets. Like those look very sleek, but I don't know the the red ones are just the red ones are just a, a different level for me.
1: Yeah, yeah, they have a lot of history too. Like, I I really like them. I think that's a great look. Um, I'm excited to see that mixed in more. I mean, I hope they do it for more than just like one game. I I think that they will, but, um, you know, I think they would look good with the black uniforms. I think they would look good with the white uniforms. I think they would look good with the red, like the gradients, like you said. I think that would be a good look with those. Um, We never got to see the red pants. You know, we were promised red pants, and we never got to see those. So I wonder if we could see a look with the white, you know, tops and the red pants. And then the uh, the red helmet I think that could be cool as well so there's a lot of new combinations with these I think that they're they're good uh it's gonna be a fun
0: look i I, yeah, I agree yeah. the team will always look good on the field like we were talking about it before the show started uh, I I can I can take or leave the black jerseys that we have now just because of the numbers like I think those black uniforms from the 90s are absolutely elite but I, I think they were trying a bit too hard with the numbers. Uh, with these, they they would try to modernize it a bit too much, but you know overall the Falcons uniform combination is is, is solid. Uh, it's not as good probably as it has been in the past. Like those, like I said, those '90s uh, black ones were, are amazing. Those jerseys from the '70s, those red unis with yeah. the red helmets, I think that was the best look that this franchise has ever had. Um, but the Falcons always just because it's it's also just so hard to mess up red and black yeah like like those two colors just seem to to just fit together and you, you know as bad as the team has been on the field throughout its history and you know even throughout the past few years they always look good on the field and the red helmets are just another emphasis on that
1: yeah I agree I agree um it's it's gonna be some nice combinations I can see unfolding with this, and we got Zach Langston with the five dollars new helmets are fire, yeah they are they are for sure. Um, so I think this is gonna it's gonna lead to some good looks, and I hope I just hope the team reconsiders the number because I like everything about the new uniforms except the numbers. I think they're just a little too aggressive. Um, you know you you've already like there's a lot of aggression on the uniforms, right? Like the ATL on the front, like I think that's fine by itself. I think, you know, a lot of the little design things are, are cool by themselves. Like, the little side side stripes. But, like, when you add the numbers, which I think are just sort of hard to read and just a little too aggressively styled. Like, it, it just makes it too much. I think you bring the numbers back to, like, a sans serif sort of clean or more even, like, a more traditional number look. I think they'll be
0: perfect. And, and the thing so. is uh, about the numbers, you can change them, like, throughout an offseason. I remember... Yeah, yeah. There's precedent within the city itself. I remember the Atlanta Hawks, when they revealed those uh, those uniforms, the triangle ones with, uh, <laughs> with, with the Volt greens. Like, yeah, you know, the, that look wasn't the best. It was heavily criticized when it yeah. first came out. But those home white jerseys particularly looked really, really bad. And this was the first year of that look. Those jerseys were just a Volt green number and you know just a white jersey and that just did not <laughs> work at all like it was so ugly and then i th- without even like telling anyone over the season, they just changed those numbers to red numbers and it looked a lot more bearable like it yeah. looked a lot better a lot better yeah um,
1: it's it's there, it can happen and it should
0: but and the thing is there was there was not even any like announcement on it and the falcons like you can do that like we can just pretend like these numbers never happened like, <laughs> yeah we can i'm just fine pre- with it We can just. i'm not even mad that i already again. bought a jersey yeah. like you know. <laughs> yeah just change the numbers and we'll just never speak of it again
1: <laughs> yeah that's fine that's fine you know um yeah i i that's the one change i hope they'll make and and i i think if they were to do that we would be back in the, the upper tiers of the nfl i still think these are good they're just like they're just they're a little bit off of great and i think we can get there I think it's possible. So, the red helmet's being kicked into the mix. Like, now it's starting to feel like, oh, the, you know, we have some elite combinations. Like, I think the whites look to the best. Like, the the white-on-white white look was probably the best look that they had. But, I think with the red helmet, you can do some fun things. You know, with the red pants, maybe. With the gradients. You know, there's just a lot more combinations of color schemes that I think could be cool. But, yeah, I mean, I think the, the numbers are the thing we got to change. So, Falcons, you know good, this is good step in the right direction with the uniforms, with, with adding the red helmets back into the mix. Now we just got to like workshop the numbers a little bit more that that's what we're asking for. So, um, clearly they just do whatever we say on here because Evan had been on here, like calling for the red helmets and you also have been on here calling for the red helmets for, you know, as long as I can remember. So clearly they just do whatever we say. So if we just, if we just keep going over and over, maybe eventually the change will come. So,
0: yeah, it's about time they started listening to us. Yeah, exactly, cuz clearly we know so much better than the people that do this professionally. Oh, and, and by the way, while we're at it, Falcons, <laughs> let's I wouldn't mind changing that logo back to that old 80s look too. <laughs> like that logo is sick. Like that logo, is, logo. is elite. Yeah, like I, yeah. and I love that that logo will be on the uniforms. Um as we can see by the announcement, but yeah, just consider consider going back to it again i'm, I'm going to use the uh i'm going to use the atlanta hawks as a reference point as well i think the hawks have maybe the best or one of the best logos in the nba right now uh and they changed it they had that uh hawk with the basketball uh, a few years ago that was the previous rendition mm-hmm. and that that was a really good logo i really like that logo but they have this the Pac Man logo now, which is absolutely elite, and it's not the exact same logo as it was in the '80s. This is from the '80s look, um, but it, it's like a, a bit of a modernized version. They they just they changed it slightly. Mm-hmm. So you know, I, I'd be down for that old old Falcons logo with just a slight little tweak because I don't know if the NFL, because I know the NBA doesn't. I don't know if the NFL would just allow an old old logo to come back right. and, and to be the exact same. So the Hawks got around it by just slightly tweaking it like the hawk was like going up a little bit and now it's like straight like just a very slight tweak. Don't, don't overdo it like you did with the numbers. But yeah, definitely uh definitely consider going back to to that old old logo. That was an absolutely fire logo. Yeah. And not for sure. not not that the one not that the logo now isn't also fire, but I don't know. There was just something about that, that old one with the red helmets too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was a great combination. It was, it was a fantastic combination. So it's hard to top that certainly. Um, Yeah, guys, Uh, we're going to get to lots of talk. Once Evan comes back in, obviously we'll get his take on oh, the Evan new helmets. For an hour yeah, about exactly. So we're, we're going to get his thoughts. Don't you worry once he finishes up, you know, the, his, his other obligations for the site, uh, and gets on here yeah, well, but like, uh, you
0: you and i might as well just like just leave at that point right just, just wind evan up and get him start uh get him talking about the uniforms
1: yeah we can just we can just you know disconnect put yeah, evan we'll up on a, the middle we'll and take a and, yeah. break yeah we'll
0: take that's a break a good tonight
1: plan. that's we should just yeah just a whole episode just evan we should just do that as a bit it's just evan's thoughts and he just goes for like an hour about uniforms because I, I, that's you know that and special teams that he could fill i think a whole 90 minutes with just uniform and special teams talk so That's that's his like superpower uh, of coverage right there is those two facets. So uh, great stuff there by Evan. So we're we're looking forward to talking to him here in a minute. Yeah. And I I know people have pointed out in the chat. We did just hear that uh, Marion Barber uh, passed away, unfortunately, at 38. Uh, Yeah. Big, sad. uh, Barber, really fun player. uh, Someone who will certainly be missed. Great.
0: uh, Great running back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Definitely. Condolences to to his family. Uh, he was what thirty eight years old. Yeah, thirty eight. I believe
1: so. Mm-hmm.
0: Way way too young. Way yeah. way way too young. Yeah. Um. But yeah, definitely. Uh, condolences also to Tiki Barber, who another former NFL running back, and mm-hmm. his his family because you know, I don't know. You you just you just hate to see it, man
1: yeah yeah you just you hate to see it It, it, it's it's all it always sucks and you know we heard about jeff gladney last week too another player in his still in his playing career you know Gladney was just 25 died in a car accident so it's just everybody uh stay safe out there all right guys be careful um just uh big sad to see these guys you know taken too soon uh and just real real sad to to see um yeah, guys, we do have a, a lot of topics to get to tonight. We're going to talk about some of the roster moves that conveniently happened immediately after we taped last week's episode, like literally the next morning. Um, so we'll get to like the Avery Williams position switch, uh, the uh, Jeremy McNichol signing. Um, we did just get a wide receiver signing today and Cameron Batson. So we'll touch on that a little bit. And then we'll spend the majority of the show talking about uh, wide receiver and tight end to position groups. Uh that are sort of in, on opposite ends of the spectrum, you know, tight end, maybe the best position group on offense wide receiver. I don't think wide receiver is the worst position group on the offense anymore, but um, definitely not as stacked as tight end is. Uh, and we will, uh, we will break those down for you guys uh, in great detail before we get to that. Uh, do want to bring everyone's attention to our, our new fundraising goal? Uh, we're going to start up with the uh, the training camp fundraiser starting today, officially. Uh, so thanks to Zach Langston for being the inaugural uh, donator to that. We only had to wait like three seconds in the first show of that. Um, yeah, I mean, and uh, so the tips for this month will be going towards the training camp travel, uh... You know, maybe when I meet Adnan uh, down there, we can go get a nice you know meal out or something like that. You know, I know you guys have often donated you know with beer money. You know, we might have to just get like a regular meal. You know, not just not beer, but you, <laughs> maybe I can have a beer. But you know, we'll just do something fun, and um, we're going to be talking about our, our I'll, plans for coverage there iced too. Tea. Yes, yes, whatever Adnan prefers, he can get his drink of choice. Um, but uh, yeah, guys, so uh, you can track our progress there. We're, we're well underway here with Zach Langston kicking us off. So uh, appreciate everyone uh, for your assistance there and all of your support. And uh, yeah, thanks to all the patrons as well for coming out last night on the Patreon Q&A. That's available for everyone to listen to, uh, watch on the channel now. Uh, but yeah, all of our patrons, we appreciate all you guys, all your contributions as well. So thanks so much for that. Uh, but yeah, let's kick it off. With what I think the most interesting thing is, which was that Avery Williams transitioned to running back from corner. Um, you could just tell that like the size was going to be an issue for Williams at corner. Like it wasn't even that he was like out of position or anything like that. He was just getting he like C.D. Lamb like you know just dominated him, just outreached him, you know out outmaneuvered him. It just wasn't. You could tell this was not a position that. Williams was ever going to be a starter at he was always going to be limited by his size I think he only had like 27 and a half inch arms which is like very small even for a corner so that was a tough position for him to sort of make a long-term impact at obviously he has his special teams contribution but now at running back your arm length don't matter at running back you know your length overall doesn't matter in fact I think being 5'8 could be beneficial for your center of gravity and stuff like that at running back so he moves there um, apparently he was already fairly close to 200. So the, the weight gain that he might have to go through to get up to playing weight at running back maybe doesn't, isn't that far off. Um, I think it's cool. Uh, I, I think it's, it's an interesting idea. I think he's got a clearer path to the roster as the fourth running back. Um, I don't know how he did play running back in high school, I guess, uh, pretty successfully. So it's not like he's never played the position before, but what do you think about, uh, Avery Williams changing positions?
0: Uh, i think it is a bad sign for guys like Quadri uh maybe uh, maybe the team carries five running backs because avery williams that this is the heavy favorite for return duties Uh, Mm -hmm. he was uh he was very good at that job last last season as well and i have no doubt that he's gonna be he's gonna win that job again uh this year the team, there will be a, a bit of a return competition, I think, with him and, and the uh, the new wide receiver that they that they got today, and I'm sure we'll get to that pretty soon in the show, but um, yeah, I, it's it's a bad sign for guys like uh, Jeremy McNichols and Quadri Allison who are fighting for that, for a spot on the running, on the depth chart, because of Williams automatically makes the roster as a running back. You're talking about having four running backs already because I'm assuming Patterson, Damian Williams, their jobs are safe, as well as Tyler Algier, who the team just picked in the fifth round. They, uh, they obviously don't want to cut him right after drafting him. Um, so, you know, it's going to be a question of whether or not the team's going to carry a fifth, but I can easily see the team going, into the season with four running backs, Williams being one of them. That That's the main thing that uh, this tells me right now, is that the team, is that the job of Quadriales and Slash McNichols is, is in jeopardy right now.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it's, it's tough for someone else to make it now without being a bigger contributor on special teams because most of the time the Falcons didn't even activate the fourth running back when that player wasn't, you know, playing a major role in special teams. So like, you know, that's why I was sort of confused by the McNichols signing too. Like, uh, because I, I feel like his path to the roster is pretty difficult. Um, you know, maybe he's just veteran insurance, which we've clamored for on the interior offensive line, so it, that makes sense to me. But um in terms of him actually making it over like Patterson or Damian Williams or Tyler Algier, he like like McNichols doesn't play special teams. He like really never has played special teams at all. So, I, I think it's t- going to be tough for him to make it. Um, Olsen, you know, I feel like Olson always flashes a little bit, but he just never seems to make his case for getting more opportunities. And so he's definitely going to be in a, a tough place there. And then Caleb Huntley is the one too that's going to have a much tougher time because I think a lot of he, Caleb Huntley has a lot of fans. He certainly fits this offense well, but. Um, yeah, it's, it's tough to see. Yeah, Evan, we're definitely going to get your thoughts on the uniforms because I know that's sort of your wheelhouse. But uh, to wrap up our discussion about Avery Williams transitioning to running back, what do you think about that move? Evan, did we lose you? you I, was no oh, okay, I was I, muted. Oh, okay. There I we look go. At him right oh, there we go. Oh, look at this. Look man. at yeah. Evan. Oh, well, no, in no, no, boys, uniform. boys. Let me yeah, talk we got to We got to wait. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs>
2: Well, the thing, no, um, yeah, no, I mean, it's surprising, especially as you mentioned, they have like a ton of depth. Um, but also at corner, there's a ton of depth too. Probably some of the most this whole off has been at corner. Um, so it makes sense. Uh, Avery Williams, you know, he may be a corner, but he's a special teams weapon and maybe they saw enough last year. Um, you know, specifically what he did in the punt return game where he was like literally PFFs, like one, I think one or two, uh, punt grade, um punt return grade. So maybe they saw enough there that they're like, hey, we need to get this dude on offense. Or or they're so impressed by the corner depth that they're like, we need to keep, you know, this dude on the roster. So if we got to put him at running back, let's put him at running back. I I mean he's gonna be on the team just because of what he brings to the return game. So that's probably the key thing. Um he's probably not gonna be, you know, anything more than Depth running back you may not even see a whole lot of him you know actually being a running back maybe more like trick plays or whatever but um either way you know it's kind of cool as long as yeah. you're on the roster i don't care so
1: yeah yeah i think it's easier to carry him there as opposed to corner where like i mean i, I think he was game certainly when he had to play last year but like i think his size limitations are a lot more are, are accentuated a lot more at corner Whereas at running back, it really doesn't matter. Like you can be five eight at running back, it might even be beneficial. You know, like the lower center of gravity thing. But uh, I don't think he's played it since high school, but he has played it. So you know, I think that it's it it'll be easier for him to make an impact there. And maybe he can turn into something. You know, maybe a third down sort of back, uh, like a you know, uh, like a, a lightning to the to the Falcons' thunder sort of guy. Um, I think he's an intriguing player there obviously he's very good with the ball in his hands very good hands you know if you're being relied upon to catch punts and kicks you got great hands so um just has to get used to uh, catching passes and and taking handoffs a little bit more again but i I think it's interesting um but we won't delay it any longer evan we need to know obviously you you've already been prepared with your helmet but what do you think about the official announcement? my soul
2: has been ready for this moment um yes i just i don't know to me they're like and I'm obviously biased as a Falcons fan, but they're, like, such, like, a clean uniform. And it, it doesn't, on paper, make any sense, but, like, the gold stripe is random. You know, there's no gold on any part of the uniform. But it's it's just, like, the icing on the cake. And I'm glad they actually, like, brought that aspect back. Like, they we've seen, you know, when they got new uniforms, they went the, you know, more modern route. Um, maybe, like, a touch of kind of, like, the style of the old, you know, having pretty much just solid black jersey with but like different font and stuff but with the throwbacks you know it's uh the throwback uniforms that we've seen but having a red helmet gray face mask um it'll be interesting seeing in the upcoming years like if they do more like try and incorporate like the 80s throwbacks and stuff like that um now that they can kind of play around with it i'm gonna take this off because it's keeping my jaw restricted from from being able to move um but and now my earbud is like out of my ear. Never put your earbuds through your e- the ear holes in the helmets is a terrible idea. But um, I'm excited. Um, you know, there were some other teams like Tampa and I think Philadelphia that announced that they're going to be doing throwbacks. Um, but because of supply chain, they're not able to do it this year. So that was kind of a thing I was curious if Falcons were going to announce it, but then be like, oh, but it's not happening until next year. Um, but, you know, great news. I don't know why, but for some reason they're able to. But they'll be wearing it um, against 49ers, apparently, on October 16th. Um, So according to that, that's just one game, um, which I would have liked to see, like, two. But, um, I mean, the the red helmets are back. If i got to wait till October and only see them once this year, perfectly
0: fine. Um, So, yeah. Uh, There was a very good question posed uh evan in the chat yeah um what kevin are 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 you on mute i think kevin may be i think kevin may may be be on mute he might be yeah i think i'm on mute yep yes we can hear you yeah yeah uh evan did you uh did you wear that while while writing the article on the helmets no of course that would be
2: ridiculous um no but i had the jersey on because i was planning to come on here right after and then i have my helmet usually back here and i'm i'm like well why not just be stupid and put it on the worst part is it is a pain in the ass to get off it hurts like <laughs> my ears to rip it uh, off yeah, um, yeah so i am i inflicted pain for everyone's amusement um but it's a special day so that's so what we Where do on every post game show, right? So yeah. yes, I did it for the people.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. That's what we do. That's what we do. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, guys, I've been muting my microphone when I'm not talking because I I have to run my air conditioner finally up here in New York because it's too hot. Um, and it you know, I think it makes a noise. Maybe, maybe you can hear. It, maybe you can't. But. I don't, I don't want it to, anything. I don't want it to infiltrate the pod audio in some form or fashion, but, uh, yeah, it's cool. Helmet. We're all excited to see if they mm-hmm. deploy it. You know, I know we know they're going to deploy it for the one game. I hope they deploy it in more games than that, but, uh um, yeah, you know, we, we will see, we will see. Uh, yeah. So we talked about Avery Williams. Let's talk about some of the other roster moves before we get to, uh, wide receiver and tight end. Uh, we'll talk about Jeremy McNichols. We, we touched on it a little bit. um, Former Titans running back was sort of their third down back. Um, that's sort of his specialty. Uh, Adnan, you got any thoughts on that? Sonny? I mean, we just sort of mentioned that it's probably going to be tough for him to actually make the roster. But he's good veteran insurance. Obviously, he's experienced. Um, so, yeah, what do you think about uh, McNichols joining the Falcons depth chart?
0: Um, I think it'll be exciting for us uh, in the preseason again. Seeing guys with you know actual NFL talent, uh, and who are who have had regular season experience playing in in the fourth quarter of some of those preseason games, um, McNichols is someone who Arthur Smith is uh, is, is a little familiar with, uh, I would say. Well, he, he, he's familiar with him in that I think he was Tennessee's offensive coordinator in, uh, in McNichols' first actual year with the Tennessee Titans. Like, McNichols was um, was uh, in camp, and uh, or I, I think McNichols was uh, on the Tennessee Titans roster in, mm-hmm. in 2018, but I don't think he ever really got playing time, or at least not a lot. Yeah. Uh and in twenty twenty he came back to Tennessee and he did get some regular season playing time. So this is definitely one of those signings where Arthur Smith is uh is familiar with him. He had a career high forty seven uh forty seven carries in twenty twenty under Arthur Smith, two hundred four rushing yards. So nothing really extensive. Last year he had forty one carries. Uh a little over 150 rushing yards wasn't really uh, wasn't really inspiring uh didn't really showcase very much he w- was a good he was a better receiving back last year uh he was in that role after uh Derrick Henry went down and uh and they signed I think Adrian Peterson and just had this uh, this just uninspiring committee yeah. going to replace the, you know, the most dangerous weapon in the NFL, which didn't really, well, it worked out a little bit. I think they did get that <laughs> bye week. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So yeah, he had he had more receiving yards and rushing yards last year. He was their, uh, receiving threat. But it's gonna be, I don't know, it's gonna be hard to make this roster. Like I said, with yeah. Williams being that running back, um, McNichols. He'll, he'll be fighting it out with Quadri Allison and he'll be fighting to prove to the coaches that they should carry five running backs because coaching staff can easily just cut them both uh, before the end of the preseason. And, you know, this is in addition to anyone else that the team may sign uh, before training camp and before the preseason. Um, but, you know, I figure if he does make the roster, he'll probably be in an inactive most weeks and just an in- injury replacement. But, you know, he may be uh, he may be a practice squad candidate.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That that would make sense. You know, him or Quadri Olison, someone who's got experience in the scheme, that sort of thing makes a lot of sense to me, too. Um, Evan, you got any any extra anything else you want to add on uh, McNichols joining the team?
2: No, not not much more than what Anon said, um, just more depth and this is why the preseason is important because that's time for you know McNichols um Huntley Allison and now um I guess even Avery Williams to kind of prove like you know towards the back end cuz you know Patterson's safe Damian Williams should be safe um so and then all, obviously um Algiers safe um so that kind of fourth running back role is going to be interesting during the preseason
1: yeah, yeah, it will be interesting for sure. Before we get to the next one, I want to read off George Costanza's donation to the Training Camp Fund, $5. Thank you so much, George. He says, Evan, nice Barkowski jersey. I picked up mine um, in, in Korea, of all places, where no, he got his. <laughs> I, I think it's
2: backwards. It's actually Birchfield.
1: Oh, there you go. Hey, there you yeah, go. See? It's, it's yeah.
2: Zero 01. Um, oh, okay. I, yeah, I got it for Christmas. Uh, That's funny. Actually, my mom got it for me and meant to put like number one and <laughs> i guess it did zero one so yeah okay. That, it that's works. good, though. It, but Nobody's it ever going to Bart- wear it. So. Yeah,
1: it doubles as Barkowski, though, because if people, you know, it right. looks like 10. So it, yeah. it's like it does double duty. And it starts yeah. with the B as well. So casual onlookers exactly. will also think that. So it really does double duty. But yeah, yep. George says he, he got one in uh, Korea. It's got all the tags yeah. on it, but it was just 11 bucks. So you got to love the knockoffs. Yeah, uh, yeah
0: I, I was going to say those knockoffs in foreign countries are absolutely elite. Yes, like, yeah. big time. You can't I'm, even tell. Like yeah, but, you would have to be like looking for something specific and
2: even then you might struggle.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, DH gate has turned into a, a, a massive market right now for mm-hmm. knockoff jerseys being shipped in from China. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's much more ma- manageable to, to give the $20 and then pay the $10 shipping than it is to spend 120 bucks on a baseball jersey or like, yep you know 115 on a football jersey so yeah you know shout out to uh yeah (laughs) shout out to those guys and the team teams try to guilt people into buying their overpriced jerseys all the time but you know the good
2: thing is the since nike kind of took over and i know they don't do everything well but um with jerseys the if anybody remembers the reebok ones if you bought like the lower quality reebok ones this all was like holes and yeah, stuff, and yeah. it would just fade, or you know, it would just fade over time. You know, this isn't this is like the basically the cheapest one, it was custom, so it cost a little more because I got Birchfield on it. But this is like the bottom one, and it's you know, I've had this for yeah. years. Um, so that's kind of a good thing. At least your money's worth it. Where the Reebok
1: ones, yeah, the maybe Reebok ones sucked. a couple <laughs> years, they were done. Yeah, this started yeah.
2: fading, and yeah, it was all screen printed and it just faded quick. So
1: yeah yeah no it's it's good stuff there um yeah george also adds in uh love the 80s throwbacks but i don't hopefully we don't play like we did in the 80s yeah <laughs> yeah let's go for the look not the on-field results that, that george that between one.
0: you and me this team the past four <laughs> years hasn't been much better than that team from the 80s
1: yes that's very true so hopefully we can reverse that trend here pretty soon but uh let's talk about the uh, the signing that came down today which was cameron batson Uh, a returner for the titans he played uh three years in tennessee 2018 didn't get any snaps in 2019 but was there in 2020 and 2021 um then sort of got i think he uh, ended up on ir a few games into the season last year um and then apparently he has recovered from his acl tear is ready to go now um not someone who doesn't have a ton of production uh but similar in size, stature to like a Demir Bird. But uh any any thoughts on Batson joining what is now an extremely crowded wide receiver room, Evan?
2: No, um not a whole lot. Don't know a whole lot about him. Um I trust uh Corey Woodruff, one of our writers, uh is based in Tennessee and, you know, because of that kind of knows more about Titans players and stuff like that. And he thinks he has a real shot to make the roster, so I've found that kind of interesting for somebody they're getting this late
1: yeah yeah I mean it, it's interesting because he like you know they did pick him up late he has, doesn't have a mm-hmm. lot of production but um he's still stuck around with the Titans for like right. four seasons uh so it's it's interesting that he's lasted that long despite only catching I think like what 22 career passes in mm-hmm. four seasons so um the fact that arthur smith brought him back means that he must like him i mean i think he's only 26 or something like that and he
2: could have been just somebody who kind of fell through the cracks and as you mentioned arthur smith felt like he had something you know more to give um so yeah we'll see what happens i mean it's a it's a low you know there's like no risk to signing him and if he, he even thinks there's a possibility he can be really good um that's good enough for me
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we'll obviously talk about the wide receiver depth chart here in just a little bit when we get to the review. But uh, yeah, in terms of his athletic testing, he's an 8.9 RAS. So certainly fits that sort of threshold that they like Uh, 5'8", 175. uh, So definitely not the size that we've seen them sign typically, but 43540, which is obviously really good. Uh, six six nine three cone, which is elite. Uh, four second flat short shuttle, also elite. Uh, and he jumped thirty nine inches in the vert too. So I mean, that's pretty darn good for someone who's only five eight. Uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, certainly an athletic guy. Maybe another speed deep threat. Uh, Adnan, you got any other bats and takes?
0: Um, yeah, I those text those testing grades from the combine. Excuse me, um are the reason why he's still in the NFL, because those numbers are, are very, very good. Like um, they're incredibly impressive. And this is someone who, you know, in his career hasn't really uh, done, done much. I I think he'll, he'll be a special teams contributor. Uh, If he does make, make the roster, it'll be very, very difficult uh, with the Falcons' depth chart at wide receiver. Which we'll we'll probably get into pretty soon, um, but this is an, a guy that Arthur Smith, just like McNichols, is very very familiar with. Someone who was part of Arthur Smith's offense, greater offense. He didn't really play very much. Uh, never had a, a, more than a hundred receiving yards in a season. But you know, this is someone who could potentially make his way onto the roster via special teams and. You know just another name, uh, another guy to keep an eye on during the preseason because you know, this this wide receiver battle is going to be an absolute bloodbath, and <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's 13 blood-
1: receivers now that they have. So, I don't know if, if somebody got hurt and they're bringing in a replacement or they're just sort of shuffling, or if like, are they going to cut one of these receivers or are they actually
0: going to keep 13? I mean. Um, I doubt they keep 13 wide receivers. Oh, you mean into the like, Like into
1: training camp even. (laughs) Like that's a lot even for training camp.
0: So Yeah. Um, Uh, I mean, possibly. um, But, you know, looking at it, you you figure the top three are safe. You figure London, Zacchaeus, and Brian Edwards, they're good. They're safe. I'd say Auden Tate has potentially an inside track to that number four wide receiver spot. They did sign him pretty early. I think they really like him. He he has the the body type uh to fit into what Arthur Smith wants in a wide receiver. And then after that, after that, it's just I think Demir Bird's probably safe too. Yeah,
1: I think so. And this yeah. is a good say. But even then, into that's, this, yeah, conversation. Yeah, yeah, I
2: mean that's five already taken up just based on what Adnan said, and then Demir mm-hmm. Bird. Um,
0: uh Kadirah Hall has getting, NFL yeah. experience, and yeah, he's a yeah. good special teams guy. Jeronimo mm-hmm. Allison has special teams experience. Frank Darby was a draft pick by this regime, regime last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Tyshawn Williams uh did an interview with Evan for the site, so yeah, that's just as good as these other. And he's guys. a big dude. He's like six, yeah, six three, six two, six and three.
2: Yeah. Kevin's son Austin is
0: still yep. there. Yep, yep. Yeah, and he and he was in training camp last season. I, yep. Uh, stuck and, around uh, all yeah. yeah he was yeah. on the roster he for on, what
2: like two weeks yeah. or something
0: yeah he was on the roster
1: for a few weeks he stuck yeah, he around yeah. on practice, practice squad.
0: squad yeah yeah oh so yeah. it's and now this is a guy who can be a good special teams player if he's uh if he's you know healthy after his his torn acl uh and a guy that arthur smith clearly likes because he you know bats and stuck around in tennessee throughout yeah. all of Arthur Smith's time as the offensive coordinator um so i don't know it's going to be it's going <laughs> to be an absolute bloodbath in the, in the preseason and in training camp and it'll be like it could be eight nine wide receivers competing for one spot mm-hmm.
1: yeah exactly and it, it's that's a great seg into the actual you know wide receiver review here because you know it is getting extremely crowded and i do suspect that we will see a cut to accompany the bats signing because i think that puts them at 91 um, with the bats signing so they they probably have to make a corresponding move eventually it just hasn't been announced yet um i guess i could be wrong about that I, I haven't been tracking it extremely closely but um it's really quite crowded now uh you know we've got like you said drake london obviously 100 safe as the uh eighth overall pick i would hope Uh, yeah uh so we're obviously not having any concerns there you would think brian edwards has a great chance to be the wide receiver two but probably the wide receiver three at worst considering they just traded for him um and then it's it's open more but i think there's sort of like a another tier of guys here like um like let's see this next tier it's it's tough to pick because i think like demir bird is in this tier, alameda Zacchaeus is in this tier, auden tate is in this tier. Mm-hmm. uh and then, you know, so that r- alone is 5. and i think all 5 of those guys are pretty like these guys are probably making the team unless something crazy happens. They get injured or yeah, they just like, like
2: decide they can't catch
1: anymore. Right. So something. like they might <laughs> only keep 5. Like right. it's not un, it's not unheard of for that to happen when you keep four tight ends and four running backs and a fullback, which is what they do yeah. usually. And, so and, like, and
0: also that's a good point. There's going to be some pressure on these guys too, who we're assuming are going to be safe beyond Drake London. I mean, London. No, if, if London drops every single <laughs> ball in training camp, he's still going to be on this roster yeah. for yeah. no reason other than he was the eighth overall pick. Um, but
2: yeah, because Jamar Chase couldn't catch it now. You
0: know, yeah, the, 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 those uh, <laughs> those preseason overreactions. <laughs> um, but you know, a guy like Zacchaeus, Brian Edwards, you know, if they go into the preseason pressing, and you know they're just dropping passes left and right, and they're making mistakes, then all of a sudden, you know, the ground could get a bit shakier. So, yeah, it, it's a mental aspect too, knowing that hey, there's there's a horde of guys that are right behind me trying to gun for my spot, trying to gun for my position. And, you know, if, if I if I don't impress this coaching staff and if I make silly mistakes, then, you know, I could be opening that door to these guys to come in and take my job. So, you know, that that's part of the mental aspect of of fighting for a, a position where you're not one of those star guys and you're not guaranteed your spot on the depth chart.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I think we got like those top five, I, I, I would think are are pretty safe. I mean, they're not safe, but like they're, they seem to be like, I guess we call them the heavy favorites, those five guys, um, after those guys, it's like, we're maybe talking one more receiver out of yeah. the like remaining like 10 guys or whatever it is. Um, so like it's it's going to be really fierce for that six spot. And they're probably going to keep like two or three on the practice squad too. That's what they did last year. Now that the 16 man practice squads are official, you know, you could carry a lot of receivers. You can carry a lot of offensive, you can carry like a lot of developmental players. And they've definitely last year, at least kept a lot of receivers. they kept three on the practice squad most of the year. Um, so it, and they are at 91 officially on the roster guys. Mm. Um, So there is going to be some corresponding move made. Uh, I don't know where that would be, but I suspect it would be a wide receiver. Maybe somebody getting put on like Pup or something like that or uh, an injury, maybe. I I don't know. Um, But, uh, you know, I think Kaderil Hodge, probably the favorite because of his special teams ability. Uh, you know, really, really good gunner. We know this team values that. And honestly, if you're the wide receiver five or six, like your special teams contributions might be more important than your offensive contributions, because that's how you're going to be active on game days. If you're going to be like the, if you're the gunner like Kaderil Hodge can be, that might actually lead to him, even though he's like nominally the wide receiver six in terms of like offensive ability, he might actually be active on game days over like. An Auden Tate or Demir Bird or whoever doesn't, whoever's sort of the wide receiver five because he's playing special teams, whereas like Auden Tate doesn't really play special teams, for instance. So um, you guys also mentioned like my son, Austin Trammell, who I think has a shot as well. Geronimo Allison was recently added to. Then there's all the UDFAs. And then we haven't even talked about Frank Darby, who was drafted by this team. Hasn't really done anything yet, but it's like, you know, he's a sixth-round pick from a year ago. That's not like premium draft capital, but you sort of have to think they are interesting to— they're interested in, in keeping that guy around. Um, and then they just added another receiver. So, yeah, I mean, I think I think I would probably think that Kaderil Hodge has the pretty big advantage there, but are you guys in that same boat in terms of wide receiver six, or do you, do you have another— favorite like a dark horse perhaps to to beat out hodge for that final receiver spot
2: um for me yeah it's probably hodge um maybe hodge and allison just because of his experience um compared to the rest of them um but it's really like a genuine toss-up um you could say any of these guys uh and i wouldn't be surprised it just seems like they you know they're going to have a great shot to prove themselves um there's also jared bernhardt the lacrosse superstar who um played like i think a bunch of positions Mm -hmm. um at fair state um which is a pretty good story as you mentioned like tyshawn uh james stanley barry hill who a lot of people are high on yeah it's a true toss-up um but yeah if if they go like okay, we need a special teams guy. It'd probably be Kadiro Hodge, um, but also like Allison, like I said, brings more experience than probably all of them um, without looking up his stats and stuff. I just remember him playing for the Packers and stuff, and I think he spent some time with the Lions. Um, Yeah, and then the Frank Darby experiment might be over. He might be a practice squad guy at uh, minimum, so
0: we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking it's gonna be very difficult for Darby to make this roster. Uh yeah. I think they'll they'll try to they'll try to stash him on the practice squad. He was one of their draft picks last year. Um yeah, Hodge has that special teams experience. It's what he's mostly done uh at the NFL level. Uh and he's someone where if you're if you're in a really bad pinch, you know, he he has some experience on the field as well. And that's Pretty much exactly what you look for in a wide receiver five or six, uh someone who can maybe step into in, into that role of seeing the field a bit more uh for a spot start or two in, in case of an injury. Because I mean, it's the NFL, there's always going to be an, in, there's almost always going to be an injury. Like yeah, that, that's yeah. just the nature of the sport.
1: Mm-hmm. Especially in a position like wide receiver, where you're gonna have six guys. If they're playing special teams too, like at a certain point, you're going to need someone to step in, even if it's for a couple games, which is, I think, why they're bringing all these receivers because they're planning to keep a bunch on the practice squad. Um, And I I think that uh, as this is a young group and, you know, knowing where this team is and it's sort of team building, I guess, progression. They're going to be loading up on these cheap high upside, you know, young receivers to see if they can find any hits at all because if they can find UDFA guys like Alameda Zacchaeus, for example. You know, that's a really cheap young guy you can stash and develop uh, to help pad out your receiving core because, you know, the Falcons more than likely are going to be paying some wide receiver next year. Um, whether that's they keep Calvin Ridley around or they sign another guy, they're going to probably go after somebody in free agency to really round this group out. Um, Even though I think, like, Drake London and and, uh, Brian Edwards are a good potential one-two combo, you know, they're probably going to want another veteran in there to sort of round it out. Um, So I'm interested to see what happens there. But moving past the top six spots, because I think those are going to be tough for these other guys to crack. You know, I think the the top five we mentioned of like Drake, London, Brian Edwards, some combination of Demir, Bird, Olamide, Zaccheaus, and Auden Tate, and then like a Katero-Hodge. Those are probably like the favorites. Moving past them, you know, we talked about this big clump of guys that are competing for these practice squad spots. Any of the names there really stand out to, I'll go to Auden on first on this, any of those sort of names whether it's Frank Darby or Tyshawn James, the UDFA, Geronimo Allison, you know, I got my boy Trammell. Like any of those guys sort of stand out to you as like a guy that you're thinking is a favorite for the squad. You know, this is the deep roster we're talking about now.
0: Uh, we're talking practice squad? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, uh,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> Um. Yeah, this this is June content, guys. This is, this is very early June content. Um. Like I said, I think just due to his age and due to the fact that the team uh, liked him enough to draft him in the sixth round, I don't think that they'll want to let um, Frank Darby go. It's kind of it's kind of a difficult. It's a difficult question, just uh, on its surface, because we don't know how these guys are going to perform yeah. in training yes. camp in the preseason. Like all hmm. we can do is speculate as to what we think may happen but you know my answers your answers could easily change based on what we see oh yeah in training camp when we're down in Fow- flowery branch in july and in the preseason so you know i'd say right now blind guessing not knowing anything i'd say frank darby is probably a guy that they'd maybe want to keep on the practice squad i don't know if they'd be able to even put a guy like Geronimo Allison on there just because he's he's an NFL-experienced wide receiver. And, you know, there's going to be injuries uh, across the NFL. There's going to be injuries at, at the wide receiver position. So I think he's someone that would easily get scooped up, possibly off a practice squad, or if the Falcons cut him before the end of the preseason, uh, someone, there's an injury somewhere else uh, around the league i think Al- allison could be someone that another nfl team brings in as a replacement for an injured wide receiver to put on their roster right so right. I-, I don't think that he would even last very long on the practice squad just given his experience um but yeah it's, uh, to answer your question i'd probably go with frank darby that's a good that's a good
1: yeah this is total dart throws guys To to qualify everything we're saying like we're not at OTAs. Media is only allowed at like one OTA day out of the three that they perform anyway. Like, I'm not going down there for one day of practice. Sorry. This is what the alcoholic Training Camp fundraiser is all about uh for, for trading cap, i'll go for eight straight days no problem one day yeah, and, sorry and, that's too and, much yeah
0: i live down here and i mean i'm not i'm not I'm <laughs> yeah, they barely like, let
1: you see anything anyway like
0: um, yeah it, it, it i mean it's like a 45 minute drive but you know <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not i'm not trying to make that drive i'm not trying to take off off work for, for <laughs> yeah, that that's like, a it, big ask OTAs. yeah it's a big it's
1: OTAs yeah, it's OTAs. Um, so we're, we're basically taking shots in the dark based on, like, traits that we like, previous production, that sort of thing. This is all subject to change when they get on the field at training camp and preseason and all that. But this is a fun exercise. We're trying to have a good time. It's off season, So don't take it, like, completely seriously, like we're snubbing your boy or something. But if also like, if we're right,
2: like, we, yeah. later on, come but we were and, Yeah, we Yeah, exactly. We knew we,
1: no. If we're right, then we knew everything right from the mm-hmm. beginning, and we're just experts, and this is what we do. You know, so really we win either way, because if we're wrong, it's like, oh, who cares? We predict this in June. But if we're right, it's like, yeah, we predicted this in June. So, you know, mm-hmm. this is why we do this so we can be right. That's the only thing we care about. It's just, are we right? You know, um, that's why I do mock drafts, because I'm just obsessed with being right all the time. Um, but uh, yeah, Evan, I'm curious if you have any of these guys. Like, I know you spoke with Tyshawn James. Um, yeah. Any of these guys you like as potential, you know, sleepers to, to sort of stick around on the squad or maybe even challenge for the roster
2: uh yeah definitely stick around for the squad I'd be surprised if one of the UDFAs doesn't um like Ty- uh, Tyshawn James as I mentioned he's you know kind of fits in with the builds they've been getting like Auden Tate uh Kadero Hodge uh Drake London just kind of like the bigger receivers because he's six three I think two something um Then definitely, like, Stanley Berryhill, um, I believe, led Arizona in receiving. He also uh, had, like, 20 carries at running back and then did uh, special teams gunning um, for them. So, I mean, that kind of adds some, you know, towards the end, if he somehow made it on the roster, having the special teams experience. Um, And then, as mentioned, that Jared uh, Bernhardt, um, you know, really athletic, uh, was, like, crazy good at um lacrosse obviously this is football but was pretty good at fair state um and made a name for himself so yeah i mean i it's a toss-up between the three uh i think james probably fits more um definitely kind of the style of receiver they've been going after like the bigger guys um but all three definitely have their own unique talent so but you know as we mentioned that's that's the point of uh Having like those preseason games and what happens at training camp, and we'll get a better idea then.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and like Jared Bernhardt, like I really want to like him, but if you like, if you run his RAS at quarterback, he's a very good at yeah. it. Like he he is. Like uh, I think he's like a seven point three two RAS yeah. at quarterback. Um, he ran a four seven one, which is a good time for a quarterback. It is not a good time for a wide receiver. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like I I'm curious. To see, you know, he's a 287 at wide receiver as a result. Um, that doesn't like there have been certainly receivers that have had success in that RAS range. Um, but his athleticism, he's he's got very good agility still for a wide receiver. Like it was elite for a quarterback, it's still good for a receiver. Um, you know, I'm just interested to see how he looks. I'm not gonna, I don't want to rule him out, but it, it's gonna be a tougher climb for him at receiver than it would be as like a developmental QB or something like that. But, mm-hmm. um, I really like the guy. Like, I want to like him. But once I saw the RAS, I was a little bit cooler on his prospects than I thought I would be just because of that. But, um, yeah, like, Auden and, and, Tate, yeah, is a good example of a guy who's yeah. found success at a lower RAS. So, in, in, like, looking
2: at Barry Hill, um, between him and like Tyshawn James and stuff, like, Tyshawn James, like I mentioned, he's yeah. like a bigger bodied receiver, like, a Auden Tate type thing. Mm-hmm. Um whereas Barry Hill, I believe, is like five nine. So like you're yeah. getting complete opposite, you know, body types. Uh and they've kind of looked more, it seems like, at the bigger guys. So he may have a leg up. Um, uh, but you know, they got a shot to prove themselves. Um yeah. There's yeah. definitely, you know, in the practice squad rules have only gotten better with how they can keep, you know, whatever it's it's gotten better over the years and how how many players they can keep on the practice squad. So um, yeah, should be interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah, and like Tyshawn, J like it's interesting to see how these guys all stack up because you've got like the Barry Hill, the Barry Hill mold where Berry Hill, very polished, very, you know, consistent wide receiver, uh at Arizona, like their leading receiver, you know, I think he's like five nine and six eight, so you know, almost mm-hmm. five ten. I'll give him five ten. I'll give him five ten. Um one eighty two, you know, so not huge. Uh ran a four four six, obviously, still an above average athlete overall. Then you've got Tyshawn James, who is like played at Central Connecticut State, you know, uh, mm-hmm. not necessarily the level of competition. It's going to be tough for him. Uh, but he's over 6'2, 216, ran a 4'4'9, you know, jumped 37 and a half inches, you know, almost 11 foot in the broad. He's a 9'5'6. So it's sort of like, do you want the polished? guy who's accomplished on special teams and that's can play now, but doesn't have the high ceiling, or are you looking more for the Tyshawn James mold guy? Who's probably going to need a year at least to acclimate to the NFL, but has that athletic ceiling, you know, Tyshawn James, his number one comp, uh, is Des Bryant. So, yeah. And, and, and watching
2: for when I do these UDFA interviews, I, uh, try and include film, but I definitely will watch it before I speak with them just so I know like who I'm talking to. Cause you know, shocking. I didn't watch a lot of central Connecticut <laughs> state film. I, yeah. Good luck. Um, so I didn't know much about him, but, um, he definitely plays like a Des Bryant, um, at, you know, obviously a lower level. Um, but just the way he was, he catches passes like he's, he uses his size, um, as an advantage, um, definitely bigger people in the NFL than, you know, what he's been going up against. But, um, I, I liked what I saw. Um, so, You know, we'll see how he adapts in the NFL, but it was a really nice dude, easy to pull for. So, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. He'll
2: be my dark horse, but obviously I'm biased because I no, no, but check out that article too. let me famously plug it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I shamelessly was on the horse for Austin Trammell all off season, and still I am now because you know his wide receiver coach talked to me. Yeah, if he hadn't gotten hurt, he was going to come on the show too. So you yeah, know. that's how but, I was with uh, yeah.
2: with Caleb Huntley last year. I yep. he was one of the guys they interviewed. Him and uh, Ryan uh, Newsel, who are still you know on the roster. So
1: yeah, exactly. Some of them so, end
2: up making it and sticking around, and any of those guys could be you know one of them. So yep,
1: yep, yeah, I uh, like. We covered a lot of the guys. I'm like I said, I'm going to stick with Austin Trammell. I do think that if he's healthy, he'll have a great chance. His thing is like, can he play outside? Because the size is the concern with Trammell. Because you know, I, I'm going to pull up his RIS. I forget. I, he's he's in that same mold of like a Barry Hill. You know, he's I think he's like five ten, one eighty. You know, and the speed wasn't necessarily a big thing for Trammell. I think he runs like a four six or something, which is definitely below average. His thing was. You know, he ran a great three cone, ran a great shuttle, uh, jumped 40 inches in the vert, you know. So like he he's explosive, not necessarily the long speed, sort of in that uh, sort of in that kind of, you know, I hate to say this, you know, because of, uh, you know, but like the, you know, the Edelman mold of the, the slot receiver. It's not just because he's white, you know, like, <laughs> um, but like that, that's sort of the position he's going to play. And I just don't know how emphasized the slot will be in Arthur Smith's offense, but, you know, if he could play outside too, it, he offers that kick return. He was in the kick return competition last year. I don't think he's a better returner than Avery Williams, but you you want to have at least one more guy on the roster that can return kicks in case somebody gets hurt. Um, and, you, you know, for kickoffs as well, like you, you're going to have two guys back there most of the time. So I, I think he's got a chance too. He looked so good in training camp. Uh, it was before the pads came on, which is when someone with the elite explosiveness and agility testing is going to stand out. But, um, I really like him, um, so I, that, that's my dark horse. But we'll see how it shakes out. It's going to be the most entertaining camp battle on offense, I would think, um, especially because I suspect they're going to hide the offensive line drills like way on the side field again this year. But mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> and, and you know, there's always those kind of battles,
2: yeah. but it seems more so this year, um, just because yeah. there's been yeah. a lot of turnover and stuff like that. And I know we'll talk about tight ends, but between tight ends, wide receivers, running backs, and you know, that's just looking at offense. And then you know. I don't know. We expect Mariota to start week one, but we're going to see some Ritter during the preseason, so that'll be exciting. But there's a lot of, you know, a lot of battling going on this uh, this summer.
1: Yeah, yeah. And Dwight is asking, uh, what is Kaderil Hodge's actual measurements? Yeah, I've I've noticed also there's there's a lot of weird measurements for him. I believe his, his official pro day measurements, he was almost 6'2", 198, ran a four five eight which is almost exactly average for wide receivers uh and he had really good jumps but he didn't complete his agilities and we didn't get split times so he doesn't have like a full ras i would assume his ras would be like a seven or so probably or a six depending on what the agilities were if his agilities were good he would have like a seven plus if his agilities were not great he'd probably be like a five but he is he is actually has a big body i don't know where like the five nine came from i think he's at least six one it's six one and six states so if you're yeah. six states i give you i give you the extra inch so it, it is yeah.
2: weird because i've seen him i i saw him listed as six three on a website yeah. and thought that was it and then i'm looking at this depth chart um this current like up-to-date depth chart and they have him listed as five eleven. Yeah, somebody in the chat said like five nine. So I yeah. I don't know if anybody really knows his height, but
1: no one knows. He's just he, every time you see him, he's a different height. Like you just nobody really knows. But right. I'm interested to see now. What, what we're gonna this. have to. We're gonna have yeah. to fly to Atlanta. We're gonna have bring to. I'm gonna get measure. the measuring tape myself. Yeah, and, we need and to to an an this Yeah, the official chart lists him at five eleven. So I would think he's probably five eleven. But yeah. These are not, these are notoriously not accurate before training camp starts. These like measurements and numbers and things like that. Um, so, you know, we'll see, I, you know, it's pro day, so maybe they inflated it, but I I would think that he's probably around six foot or or six foot one. Never,
0: never trust pro day measurements. Yeah. Yeah or no, pro day like No, like,
1: usually they don't lie about the height at pro day cuz people are literally standing there watching you measure. But they definitely lie about the testing. No, lie about the 40 yeah, times. For yeah, sure. they definitely lie about that. But uh yeah. usually the height weight it's like they do the measurements right in front of you so it's kind of hard to to you know fudge, but like you know, we'll, like when we all
2: join the Falcolic Dave wanted yes. our measurements and I'm 6'4" Um, yep. and yep. nobody's been here to measure me yet, so that's what it shows on the website. Yeah, that's that's my official. Yeah. I'm I yeah.
1: I would measure in at you know six five, you know, mm-hmm. uh, 195. Yeah, you know, elite.
0: That, that's what's on our alcoholic driver's licenses. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah. So. Dave's actually five two.
1: Weird, yeah. The camera He's adds installing. you know, the camera adds a lot of inches, isn't that what yeah. they say? So, yeah, yeah. speaking <laughs> of
2: which, that's actually like mm.
0: good segue into, <laughs> yeah, in- yeah. What, <laughs> but they don't really like measure you at like the dmv for example like uh no, i remember yeah. yeah i remember they just took my word for it and they're like oh what's your height what's your weight like oh sure and six then they me. just yeah. never <laughs> update it yeah
1: yeah i said six one i think i think it's probably closer to six foot i think i'm like six foot and like three eighths or something so it's like you know if i was doing round, it for a prospect, yeah if you i was doing it for a prospect up. i'd round down to six mm-hmm. but for me i round up I round up. So that's just, you know, for yourself. You got to believe in yourself. Right.
2: um, Hey, we're all still growing.
1: We are. We are. Forever. Um, All right. Let's dive into tight end. This one is definitely not as uh, complicated in terms of the depth chart. uh, Because we got Kyle Pitts at the top. Unquestioned. uh, I think we're all hoping for big things from him, particularly in the red zone this year. Because, I mean, he was already a really good receiving tight end, like, top five in the NFL in terms of his contributions, but the red right. zone was the one area where we're looking for more. Um We also, yeah, no, go ahead. Oh, uh, yeah. uh, I was yes. just going to no. say,
2: and I don't know why I didn't even think of it. That also plays into the receiver thing because I mean, he lined up outside a bunch um, mm-hmm. to where like, he's basically a receiver too. So like that would make them not need as many receivers if, you know, they weren't impressed with any of the other guys.
1: Yeah. If they want exactly. to keep
2: extra tight ends. So
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, so I think uh, that that spot, I think we can all agree, is pretty safe. Uh, the number pretty one safe. tight end. Yep. Yeah. I would hope so. <laughs> um, we also added Anthony Ferkser from the Titans uh, to be tight end two.
0: That's a yep. big Arthur Smith guy. Yeah. That's yeah. someone who... I Anthony Fergser had some, uh, some fantasy appeal a little bit with, <laughs> mm-hmm. with the Titans in the last couple of years.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was supposed to be their tight end one. They ended up not throwing the ball... They... The whole Titans offense was kind of stuck in a malaise last year. I wonder what happened to it. You know, somebody left, I guess. Um, but uh, it, it, you know. So no, 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 no. Ke-
0: yeah. Kevin, come on. Remember the Titans fans <laughs> coming into our chat. Yes. Saying
1: that, Arthur Smith's a bum. He's not, he didn't contribute to the uh, offense at all. Yeah, He's actually the reason we lost. Yeah. They won the
0: Julio trade, you know. Yep. Of, how could the Falcons Vince. trade Julio for just a second rounder? <laughs> and a <of> fourth
1: <laughs> next year. You yeah, know, We're still going to be getting that. Yeah, don't forget. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't seen any Titans fans in here lately. That's interesting that you point that out. Um, yeah, but Ferks are interesting. Probably the favorite to be tight into, at least as a receiver. Then it's, it's more wide open. The team tends to keep four. So you'd think there's probably two spots up for grabs here. Uh, I would say the favorites, probably Parker Hesse again, who was on the roster for most of the season after being a practice squad guy, uh, former defensive uh, defensive end convert for when he like joined the, the Titans as an undirected free agent, like years ago, um, was actually a solid tight end for the Falcons last year, uh, as like sort of a depth guy, like a tight end four. um, he can block, he can catch a little bit, not necessarily special in either area, but reliable. Uh, and, and, you know, you have to like that. He knows the system. So that's the leg up. And then they drafted John Fitzpatrick out of Georgia, so we got some dogs in in yes. on the depth chart here. Yep. Yes, we
0: got some dogs. Yep. Um we uh we filled the quota.
1: We did. We're 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 set for another decade now. So <laughs>
0: No, no, we're not. We need another two next next uh next yeah.
1: draft. Well now we have to get three or else they're not gonna be satisfied. It's like, oh you took two dogs last year, you're only gonna take, you know, two this year, you gotta take three now. Why and do it's you gonna hate be Georgia like players. you need eight. Yeah, you have to take eight dogs now. To- <laughs> Every dog you have to draft them. Um but yeah, John Fitzpatrick, uh, really large person, like six set over six seven, uh, and blocking hey, specialist. That's coincidentally
0: yeah. the height that I put on my license. There you go. I feel like <laughs> now
1: it's like every time we talk about Adnan, his height gets bigger. So yeah, <laughs> it's like the you know X height, you know Russian hooker or whatever that keeps getting bigger, and every every time you mention her, yeah, it's like oh yeah, you know. So you know that that's a little inside joke there, folks. Uh, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, I uh, I think probably we we would all agree that the, the Hesse and Fitzpatrick probably the favorites there because of you know they drafted Fitzpatrick and then Hesse uh, has the experience in the scheme and has been reliable and you no know, fairly good blocker when called upon. Would you guys agree with with those two guys sort of being the uh, reserves?
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Fitzpatrick's in that Lee Smith role. Uh, that's why they drafted him to be that blocking specialist. And that's that's a little bit of a, a niche within Arthur Smith's offense where you and within the entire NFL actually where Fitzpatrick has the ability to have a very very long career now just, you know, specializing in what he does. Not, you know, the tight end position is obviously um, evolved a bit more uh, as opposed to where it was decades ago to the point where you have Kyle Pitts as the team's number one tight end lining up out wide for a vast majority of his snaps but you know teams still need that guy who who will help with the blocking and especially around the red zone uh around the goal line and Fitzpatrick will definitely be able to also Potentially be a bit of a goal line threat at his height you know for some jump balls at, uh uh for some jump balls after he leaks out in those <laughs> heavy packages yeah i think georgia fans
1: were saying he actually has good hands that just the, the georgia tight end depth chart was like so good that he just wasn't ever used as receiver. like it wasn't yeah. necessary for him he made to catch some passes.
0: nice catches he made yeah. some nice catches for georgia i mean he's not known for that but you know he can definitely he can definitely catch the ball like he's not He doesn't have stone hands out there.
1: Yeah. That's all you really need from your blocking specialists. Like he's not a dual threat guy. Like we're not drafting him to be that in the sixth round. He, we just need him to have good hands. If the dump off comes his way and he's really tall. So he can certainly be that sort of, you know, target in the red zone. He can just go into the back of the end zone and put his hands up like Levine Toilolo always did. Hopefully, uh, Fitzpatrick has better hands than Toilolo because he, that was the one problem with Toilolo. was he would actually get open sometimes uh, and just <laughs> couldn't quite bring it in um, but uh, Toilolo was an awesome blocker so we'll see if, if Fitzpatrick can live up to that legacy um, <laughs> he had to wipe bringing up remember the game he had to play at right tackle against Minnesota yes I, yeah, I do that remember.
0: was uh Teddy Bridgewaters first game. Yep, I remember, uh, and so. yeah, I remember him just like oh, that was such an ugly game, man. Yeah,
1: it's that's not fair to Toyolo to ask him to play right tackle. I mean, it's it's Yeah, everyone it's just a got a completely hurt. different position. Yeah.
0: Everyone got hurt. and like, what was that 24 2015?
1: I think it was either 2013 2014? or 2014.
0: 2014.
1: It might have been 2014. Was it the guess... true blood year? The Jeremy true blood year? <laughs> I don't remember.
0: God. Our Thomas Dimitrov needs to be tried for what he did to that roster in the mid 2010s.
1: True. You guys didn't think you'd ever hear the name Jeremy Trueblood again. You got to be careful, though. He will come after you on Twitter if you slander him. Like, to this day, he will come after you. So I can't remember yeah. which of us. Which of us, like, I can't remember who it was. I think he came after Dave. Like, recently. Yeah, I think it was Dave. Yeah. yeah. I think it was yeah. just
0: Dave, like, something. <laughs>
1: he was like oh i remember true blood like blowing all those blocks and he was like oh keep my you know keep my dame at, name at your mouth you know or something it's like whoa bro it's been like 10 years
0: in <laughs> fairness in yeah. fairness i don't feel like you've actually arrived in this business without pissing off at least one player yes. Yes. Was- who, who was that one that you pissed off uh i actually pissed off too or are you Uh, uh, it was a lot
2: it was a lineman though um yeah it was
0: brandon fusco yeah yeah Yeah,
1: fusco brandon
0: fusco and the thing is i just like wrote an article saying yeah he he wasn't like really that good yep and i i was backing it all up with my um with stats with like pff stats and stuff and he he just like went after the article on twitter
1: Yep. Yeah. That was brutal. And then I think I insulted Wes Schweitzer in a, in like the locker room one time. And like, he was going to say some shit back to me. And he like, he was so nice. He was like, you know what, just don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And he just walked away. And I was like, Oh God, like, I didn't even, I I didn't realize that I insulted him. I must've said something. Wrong. I think that was the first game I ever went to, but you know, Wes Schweitzer yeah. uh, clearly proved us all you know wrong because he went on to have a very good NFL career. So. No, he, no,
0: I would take Wes Schweitzer. <laughs> oh, in a, a heartbeat right now. No. In <laughs> a heartbeat. Oh yep. my god. Yep. Like come wh- back Wes- to us, Wes. Yeah. Oh my god, Wes Schweitzer. Jalen Mayfield last year makes Wes, Wes Schweitzer look like Zach Martin. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, Schweitzer's like starting still for like Washington, right? I mean, like he's like legitimately a starter. Yeah, now, so. he,
0: he found his like spot and good yeah, for him. He yeah. was a sixth rounder. Yeah. Uh, Robert Alford was the other guy I pissed off. Yes. Um. Yep. Yep. Uh, <laughs> another one of those like review articles where I'm like, yeah, you know, Robert Alford wasn't really that good this year. Then Alfred just like went after. He's like, "Oh, you do realize I was playing injured, right?" Like, no, like nobody like, knew. No, you no, were there injured. was like, no reports about this. <laughs> no
1: one said anything to me. Like, would you just expect me to know? Like, what? <laughs> yeah,
0: no, I didn't know. Like, what are you talking yeah. about? Like, <laughs> then he ended up not being so good in Arizona either.
1: Yeah, poor, poor Alfred. Poor Alfred. He should have been a hero, but you know, we're not going to. We're not going to dwell on that. We're going to move on. We're going to keep going forward. Um. Two two other tight ends on the depth chart, so not actually a lot here. Uh, one of them, very recent addition. Uh, one of them was a futures contract. The first one I know uh, Robert Kelly is a big fan of. Braden Lennius, uh, the tight end uh, from the CFL. Uh, former wide receiver, converted to tight end in the CFL. Um, pl- had a couple pretty good years there. Uh, the Falcons, I guess Lennius actually was asked, asked to be released from his CFL contract and the Falcons signed him the next day. So I'm guessing the Falcons reached out to him and said like, Hey, we're interested in having you in camp. You know, do you want to come? And I'm guessing that he was like, yeah, I do. So, you know, he got out of the CFL specifically, I believe to join the Falcons. So that's worth, you know, a look certainly at least for the practice squad as a receiving threat there. Um, And then Tucker Fisk, very reminiscent of Parker Hesse, also a, uh, Two-way player at Stanford, played tight end and defensive end. Uh, so another interesting guy, um, probably more of a blocking type, but somewhat interesting. Uh, you guys got any opinions whatsoever about these extremely deep tight ends? You know, no, no. no. I don't know much about him. I like that
2: Tucker Fisk has, like, a cool name.
1: That's a very cool name. Yeah, I mean, I mean,
2: no offense to Braden Lenius or whatever, His is is kind of cool too.
1: But yeah, they're both pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: I mean, <laughs> I I think either of those guys will be really hard pressed to beat out, uh, Parker Hasse because I I think I think Ferks or Pitts and Fitzpatrick are absolutely locks. Like uh, I'm I'm even I'm even going as far to say as John Fitzpatrick will be a lock on this roster. I don't think you. Spend a sixth round pick on a specifically blocking type specialist tight end, uh, and then you cut him for someone else because you, you need. with the Falcons need that position? Lee yeah. Smith doesn't here anymore. Yeah. Uh, red zone target Lee Smith. Um, so uh, I think it'll be a question of whether or not the team. I think they will carry four tight ends just because yeah. Arthur Smith really likes running that two tight end system. Kyle Pitts doesn't line up in a traditional tight end position. Most of the time, Anthony Berkser will be there um, with Kyle Pitts lined up out wide or in the slot or doing whatever, whatever Arthur Smith decides to cook up with him. Um, and then Parker House, he'll be that backup uh that backup to Anthony Ferker, Ferkser's role in case uh, Anthony Ferkser, you know, gets injured or something. And then yeah. Fitzpatrick has his own role. So, uh, I mean, Parker Hesse's a guy that's been here. He's been here for a while. And I think that, you know, uh, I'm not going to say he's a lock, but I think he, he's, he's close to it, uh, compared to the rest of this competition yeah yeah, yeah, I, uh, yeah.
2: Go, ahead. go ahead oh i was just gonna say another dark horse um you know john rain um oh yeah last yeah. year he did mm-hmm. i know at northwestern um because he's like six foot or six one he's like a smaller tight end compared to these guys um but at northwestern he played fullback and i thought yeah, that's where i, I might him. be misremembered yeah oh, i think he okay. is not
1: I think he is at fullback. Let me pull Cause up. Cause I know he, he wears sure. number
2: 89. I thought on the official roster, he was a tight end or at least yeah. listed, but he kind of brings that like, you know, he in a pinch could play. Obviously we have Keith Smith, but he could play fullback in a pitch. Um, so, you know, that's another name that is, is also present.
1: Yeah. John rain is listed at tight end. Technically. I, I believe he's going to be once again, that sort of hybrid fullback. Right, because he is like I don't he's know like six one. A... Yeah. Okay, six one. So he's yeah. he
2: is a smaller tight end compared to like Kyle Pitts mm-hmm. and you know the I other mean, guys. I is
1: only six so it's not like he's huge either. But right, um, but like Fitzpatrick
2: or whatever, seven yeah. Kyle yeah. Pitts is what six five six 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 six. So <laughs> Kyle is a little different, yeah. but yeah, yeah,
1: but yeah, I think yeah, I I have him under fullback still because I think he's probably just Keith Smith's backup. Mm-hmm. Um. In case anything were to happen to Keith Smith, but definitely you know, like forbid, a practice squad. Yeah, possibly. Player. He was impressive last preseason. Yeah, yeah. I thought.
2: To where um, like if Smith, you know, God forbid, got hurt, that could be you know the replacement.
1: Yeah, and they're probably going to give Rain a lot of fullback reps in the preseason because they're probably right. going to need Smith to go out there and take all those reps. So yeah. you know, maybe. And you know, I think Rain's definitely someone to keep an eye on. Like like you said, for the practice squad potential fullback of the future later you know as keith smith gets up there in age but keith smith is ageless Uh, so he'll be with us for did did, uh
0: (laughs) did jaden graham ever catch on anywhere he
1: didn't i'm i'm curious as to why he didn't get picked up because he could have come back to the falcons for just an erfa aka vet minimum contract like they and they didn't pick it up so
0: like um, i wouldn't be shocked if he was someone that the team brings into training camp it's because yeah, yeah. he's been there. He made the roster a couple of years ago. Yes. Um yeah. last year he got hurt in the preseason competition, got put on IR. Yeah. Um so I mean that that would be a that would be a welcome uh, a guy I would welcome back for a preseason competition at tight end.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm one, I wonder if it's because he's not healthy enough to pass a physical. Is he still recovering maybe? Um but once he is, maybe that is someone the Falcons bring back. Because like I said, they only have six on the roster right now there's probably going to be four making it. So when you compare that to like the Falcons might keep six receivers and they have like 13 on the roster at tight end, they're probably gonna keep four and they only have six. So you'd think maybe they'll look at adding another one there, maybe doing some shuffling. But, uh, yeah, I I don't really know why Graham didn't come back because that ERFA tender, like I said, it's a guaranteed vet minimum contract. So I, I don't really know why they wouldn't at least tender him, you know, it's not guaranteed or anything. So, um, questionable there i'm guessing it has to do with his health like you said he did uh get hurt last year end up on ir so hopefully he's okay gets a chance to catch on somewhere because i thought he was pretty promising as a receiver um that's all the tight ends um we do have a uh, five dollars another five dollars from george costanza thank you so much george uh to the training camp fund he says to be fair to pits the great to score in the red zone you actually have to get to the red zone this offense hopefully cannot be more putrid than it was last year. I think Pitts will have great success this season with the new weapons to help take the pressure and coverage away. Yeah, I think that's the hope. Certainly that with all these other guys that are going to be bigger red zone threats. You know, Drake London, the the you know Anthony Firkser to some extent. You know, you not those guys. You know, Brian Edwards getting added to Kyle Pitts. You know, alongside Cordero Patterson and these other guys like that it's not just Kyle Pitts getting like three players on him every single play. So I agree with you, George, that that should help him as well as just another year getting acclimated to the NFL too. So, um, Yeah, let's... uh, Thank you to Brandon Brass, by the way, for the $1 uh, donation reminding me of the question we missed on the Q&A last night. I did want to squeeze that in real quick before we sign off. Um, Noah Cook asked us at the end of the show, what's our opinion on what they're going to do with the salary cap space? Do we think they're going to spend it or are they going to take it into the season and possibly roll it over to next year. Um, yeah, I, I think it's an open question still. Um, if it was up to me, like I'd sign a left guard, but I don't think that would require all of it. Like, I think you could go out and get Quentin Spain for like $2 million or something like that as like a veteran insurance sort of slash starter. I mean, he played 90% of snaps for the Bengals last year and graded out as a solid starter. So, um, You know, I I would do that, and then they'd still have some money left over, notwithstanding a possible Deion Jones move at some point. Um, Obviously, nothing has happened on that front yet, or else that would have probably been the the leadoff, you know, information on the show. But um, yeah, I'm curious what you guys think. Do you think that they will end up spending this money, or are they going to just sort of hold on to it at this point? Adnan, you can go ahead and go first.
0: I think they'll probably hold on to it. Like, uh, I think they want to have that that reserve uh that reserve for emergencies and I'm counting an emergency as um Jalen Mayfield and some these guards looking absolutely horrendous in the preseason and the team going out and spending it right before the season starts like uh so basically what I'm saying is I hope that it doesn't get spent if if my if what I think is how if my theory is going to be true that yeah. they, that they're holding it on for that. um, But yeah, it's um, I, I I don't know if, if the team really looks bad in the preseason and the offensive line doesn't look gelled at all. And, you know, they're just letting Mariota get, get destroyed in the first and second quarter of those preseason games. I think they'll, they'll go out there. I don't think that they have a choice. They'll go out there and, you know, maybe even look for a trade to uh, absorb someone's salary or they'll go out and get get someone like a Spain or um I'm blanking on the guy from from the Saints, the guard from the Saints.
1: Oh, yeah. Um
0: Easton. Nick Easton. Nick yeah, Easton. Nick Easton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think he's he's someone that would make logical sense as well. There's a Terry Font no connection there too. But, you know, I think they'll try to give uh, at least these guards and this roster um, every opportunity in the preseason and every opportunity in training camp. And if they're not getting it done, then I don't think that the leash will be as long.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think, um, yeah, no, I, I think that we need to see they they are clearly committed to seeing if if they can get something out of these three young players that's sort of where we are um I I still think we're gonna see a veteran come in because I think uh I still think uh you know that's not gonna pan out I I hope that I'm wrong um yeah I see people have already started to embrace you know Jermaine Effetti over Caleb McGarry you know join the hive now uh you know, I, because they they brought in all this competition at right tackle, which to me signals that they want <laughs> it's like they want McGarry to lose that battle or something. Um, you know, Effetti is certainly a solid right tackle, obviously not spectacular, but he's going to be more consistent than McGarry. McGarry's thing is he'll have games where he's great, and then he'll have games where he's awful. Germain or is going to have a lot of games where he's like average, so he's going to be like against bad pass rushes he's going to be great against good pass rushes he's going to struggle so maybe that consistency is more what they're looking for at right tackle as opposed to the caleb mcgarry's you know wide range of outcomes but um at guard i just feel like we got to do something else like we got to do something else man um but yeah what uh i think yeah evan anything else you wanted to add on that salary cap discussion or
2: no, I think they're just going to try and spend as little as possible to roll into next year.
1: Okay, I think that makes sense to me too. So we will we will see how it shakes out. But yeah, I mean, it wouldn't shock me, I guess, either way, whether they sort of go for a discount, you know, quote unquote off season, um, or whether they make another move, you know, to to shore up the offensive line. But it, I think it would either be like. Offensive line or maybe edge, I guess, if they were looking for another veteran there. But I think other than that, there's not really a need. I mean, if you could find, like, a high-impact player at defensive tackle or another, you know, somebody shakes loose at one of these other positions, it's not necessarily a screaming need. But, like, I think you could make the argument for it. You know, I think that could be considered as well. But I think for the most part, they're probably going to hold on to it, see how training camp shakes out, maybe make another move at that point. So, Um, but yeah, let's, uh, let's go ahead and wrap up guys. Thank you to everyone who helped kick off our training camp fundraiser. Uh, we're 3.2% of the way there. So that, that's a great start considering we have two months. So, you know, we're, we're well on track. Uh, and we just really appreciate everyone for helping out with that. Uh, I think I'm once again, going to be able to stay with my family. So I don't necessarily have to get a hotel for eight days, which helps, you know, a ton obviously, but I do have to still fly to Atlanta, which anyone who's gone to the gas pump recently knows uh, how the price of everything cool. involving gasoline especially airplanes is getting astronomical so uh every little bit helps guys i i'm gonna find a way to get down there one way or another but I, you guys just blew me away with your senior bowl support uh you guys have been asking you know what you can do to make sure we get that live coverage and um this is one way you can help obviously totally optional Uh, we just really appreciate everyone who does donate. Uh, and if you can't donate what you, what you can do is just tune in and, you know, retweet and like, and subscribe and all that good stuff. Check us out on Patreon. Uh, that all, we all appreciate all that stuff too. It doesn't always have, doesn't have to be financial. You know, uh, we just appreciate everyone for tuning in and supporting the show that way as well. Um, But, yeah, before we sign off, I want to thank my co-hosts this evening. First of all, we have Uniform Correspondent and Director of Guest Personnel, Evan Birchfield, at Evan Birchfield on the Twitter. Evan, anything you're working on you'd like to plug? Uh,
2: No, not really. Um, This is kind of like an interesting period because there's, you know, not a lot to really talk about, but we still managed to do it here. Um, I'll have my my annual – I think I plugged it on the last show, but my annual – 32 teams, 32 sleepers fantasy article coming out within the next week or two. Um, So also uh, next week, yeah, next week, June 8th, uh, Wednesday, uh, Brett Jukes, who um, you saw him last year about this time when he talked about red helmets, uh, the possibility of them, and now we officially know they're coming. Um, He's the uh, CEO and uh, senior vice president of AMB Group, which is like Arthur Blank's. Uh, business. Um, Anyways, he's coming on the show uh, next week. So, yeah. So, we got a fun guest next week.
1: Yes. So, exciting stuff, guys. Like Evan said, I was going to let him, you know, I was going to let him have the thunder, but indeed, guys, we are going to have Brett Jukes, the (laughs) Executive Vice President of Arthur Blank's Businesses, including the Falcons, back on the show once again uh, to help us uh, break down the offseason, you know, because he's excited about it, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we are going to get to all that good stuff. That's going to be next Wednesday. Also going to have a terrific podcast guest on Monday for Monday's episode of the pod. We're going to have the one and only Charles McDonald of the Exemplist and Underdog Fantasy, also formerly of the Falcoholic, for those that don't remember those days, uh, here to break down the Falcons offseason to talk about everything that's gone on and to see, you know, how he's feeling about the team going, going into training camp. Um, Charles definitely keeps it real. Uh, he sure was all uh,
0: making more money than when he was with the Falcons. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> no
1: kidding. I have to ask him about that too. See how that's going. But, um, but yeah, we're going to have that too. So we got some great content lined up for you guys next Wednesday. We'll be talking to Brett Jukes for most of the show. Uh, and then talking about the offensive line so for those of you wanting to get spicy with, you know, the Jermaine uh, Fetti versus Caleb McGarry competition, we're going to talk about that. Also about the interior. Maybe they'll sign someone in the, in the meantime. I mean, that can add some more spice. But uh, again, guys, really appreciate you all for tuning in. Uh, I don't, did I actually, I don't think I checked in with you, Adnan. He's at Say Which Way, right? So uh, anything you want to plug, on before I just cut off without letting you say anything?
0: Man, that was that was pretty rude. That was almost rude. That edits. was almost rude. Yeah, <laughs>
1: I did the late save there, but yeah. Please go ahead.
0: Um. Yeah. No. Just uh. Stay tuned with the Falcoholic and with uh with the Falcoholic Live. You know, doing shows every single week, and we are your one stop shop. Uh,
1: for the only game all, in town, folks. Uh, <laughs> all
0: Falcons content. Yeah. Um. I I know that. Uh, a number of you are starved for Falcons content throughout the year. You know, it's a, it, it may be June, but you're with us here on a Wednesday night talking, listening to us talk about um, practice squad guys and red helmets. So, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't know how you would be here without knowing about Falcoholic.com. But, uh, Just in case, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is the one-stop shop.
1: Oh, yeah. Big time. Big time. So uh, definitely check out the site, guys. You can check out the podcast feed as well if you want the uh, the audio only. Uh, all these episodes are going to be on there now. Plus, I've also taken over officially the podcast as well. Um, and like I said, the other, only other thing is the Patreon, patreon.com slash Live. Uh, we're going to be firing up the uh, patron fantasy league soon. So if you want to take part in those this year, we've got commitments from Adnan and from Dave Choate and probably some other folks as well. For those leagues so if you want to play some fantasy against the crew uh it's open to all tiers of the patreon you know we're not gonna you know discern too much but uh we had one last year i have a suspicion that we're gonna have two leagues probably and and,
2: and make sure you bring your a
1: game because
2: yeah i think it was me and kevin in the championship like
1: yeah we were very disappointed by you guys just
2: (laughs) we we love our patrons (laughs) but we're gonna whoop your ass in fantasy yeah you,
1: you gotta try yeah, you know when when I say fantasy football guru, you know in my bio on Twitter, like I'm not just like saying yeah. that. I know everyone says that, but like you know it's not a joke. So you know, <laughs> this guy, this year, guys, you're gonna have to be ready to go. Uh, you know, c- come with your A game, come prepared. So, uh, yeah, guys, uh, appreciate all of you for tuning in. Uh, like I said, we'll be back on Wednesday with Brett Jukes for the next episode of Alcoholic Live. Until then, guys, have a great night. We will see you next time. Have a good night, folks.